happening, it is mind-boggling. For the Christian, prayer is communicating with the one true God, the creator of all things. At the same time, though, our entire world is aware of prayer. Like everyone, even across the United States of America, not only believers in Christ, our entire world offer it or they practice praying. Many other religions pray. The difference is in who we are praying to. But prayer's all around us. Even during the pandemic, right? I, I was even talking to my wife Kelly this morning. Can't believe it's almost been two years. Um, but even across the pandemic, maybe on like news media or outlets, you're even hearing prayer more. Like our thoughts and prayers are with you. Our thoughts and prayers are with you. I mean, we hear this communicated even from people that aren't following Jesus. But especially for you and I that live in Longview, East Texas, Prayer's like a norm. Prayer's communicated quite a bit. I, I still remember when we first moved to Longview. So Kelly's from here. I am not from here. Uh, when we first moved to East Texas in Longview, there was a culture shock for me. Uh, more, more ways than one. Um, but the normalcy of prayer was one of them. Now, I grew up in Arizona, went to college in Southern California. And I remember when I first took Reef to our first Texas high school football game, they opened the game in prayer. That was astonishing to me. That would have never happened at the high school I grew up in. Believe me. Prayer's always communicated. Uh, and over my time here, I've even been asked to open up in prayer for like events. Non-church-related events are wanting to open up in prayer. You and I, where we live, are inundated with the activity of prayer. And if you're a follower of Jesus, I don't doubt that you would say, Man, prayer, prayer's important, and it is. It's also mysterious, it's exhilarating, it's beautiful, it's mesmerizing. And yet at the same time, if you and I are honest, at some point in our lives or some time or another, we could describe our personal experience of prayer as being boring, mundane, non-existent, repetitive, or lacking. <clears throat> but for something so miraculous, how can our experience of it fall short? Have you ever said, maybe made the statement, I, I've, I've said this myself, or talked to a lot of people, brothers and sisters in Christ, I know I should be praying more. Right, like uh, two things we might say, I know you'd be reading my Bible more, praying more. Well, yes, those are good things, but why? I mean, prayer can carry this feeling of inadequacy for us, um, and like an ideal we can't live up to. So we can come to prayer discouraged before we even start. Like there's this bar that's been set, or a duty that we are obligated to fulfill, that we're not just quite meeting it. We're constantly moving, right? In our day and age, we're constantly distracted. We have to get things done, right? Everybody got little kids or have to take kids to school. You say amen the minute you get up. Breakfast needs to be done. I got to do this. No, now I have work things to get done. Deadlines have to get done. I need to get after what I need to do. And so after all this, you're exhausted to perform prayer. Self-sufficiency in our lives is a barrier to a life marked by prayer. Even if we wake up in the morning, get after the Lord and say, man, I had a great time this morning. How fast does that maybe wane and throughout the rest of the day, you're tackling everything on your own. Prayer is not meant to be an add-on to the Christian life. 
It's not meant to be a burden. Yes, prayer can be hard and difficult, especially if we come to it with the wrong perception or motives. But prayer is not merely meant to be an activity that we participate in. No, it is meant to be interwoven into the very fabric of our lives as Christians. And so today, we're going to see that for the follower of Christ, constant prayer must be a lifestyle we live. Let me say that again. For the follower of Christ, constant prayer must be a lifestyle that we live. <clears throat> so if you read with me in Romans 12, verse 12. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. This is God's word. Now, first to gain an understanding of verse 12, we've got to take a step back and actually understand what the Apostle Paul is communicating to the church in Rome. Okay, the Roman church was a collection of believers that were both Jews and Gentiles, so we had different backgrounds, and they're coming together, and there's some tension, right? There's some tension when we bring groups from two different backgrounds. Well, to start chapter 12, Paul is telling the Christians in Rome to present their bodies as living sacrifices, to the Lord. He goes on then to say in verse 2, like, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your minds so they can discern what is good and acceptable. And then he goes on to talk about the gifts of grace that have been blessed upon the church, that each one of us, you and I, have been given different gifts from the Lord. The one who teaches should teach, the one who serves should serve, and how those come together to make one body. And that brings us to uh, 12, 9 through 12, exactly what Amy read this morning. And he starts off by saying, love should be genuine in verse 9, and then hate what is evil. So immediately we see the foundation that a mark of a Christian should be one of love and then hating what is evil, moving forward together. So then we start to see these traits of a Christian in verse 10 and 11. And then we come to verse 12, and we see the three commands before us today. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Now, these three commands are closely tied and connected. You, you can't have one without the other. To rejoice in hope, you need to be constant in prayer. To be patient in tribulation, you need to be constant in prayer. And same likewise, if you're rejoicing in hope and being patient in tribulation, you will be constant in prayer. So what does Paul mean by rejoicing in hope? I want us to take a quick glance at each of these three. We are going to spend all our time of the morning on the third command. But what does he mean by rejoicing in hope? Well, for those of us that have trusted in Jesus Christ, he is our hope. So Ephesians 2 tells us that even when you were dead in trespasses and sins, you once walked, right? We were all dead in our sin, but thanks be to God verse 4 says in Ephesians 2, but God being rich in mercy with his great love that he has loved upon us made us alive together. In 1 Peter, he tells us that God has caused us to be born again to a living hope. That is Jesus Christ who took our sin upon the cross, died, rose again, conquering sin, death, and darkness, and now reigns forever and is living. He is our living hope. So when we rejoice in hope, we remember the joy we have in Christ. That brings us to be patient in tribulation. 
That word tribulation has this idea of being pressed upon, coming together. Think of a vice just coming in on what it's holding. It's our difficulties, our struggles, our trials. And we're to endure, we're to persevere, we're to be patient in them. Which, if you've ever gone through some hard things, that can be very difficult. You probably need to be constant in prayer in the midst of it. But we also need to remember the joy we have in Christ to make it through those. Because our home is not here. Our story is beyond the Son with Jesus forever for, the Christ, for those who trust in Christ. But let me say, as we get into being constant in prayer, those that have not trusted in Christ, if you have not come to him as your Lord and Savior and trusted in his life and death and resurrection, there is no hope to rejoice in. There isn't. And so if you have not trusted in him today, come to him. Jesus says, come to me, rejoice in all that I've done. It's nothing you've done. It is by grace you have been saved through faith in me. So come to him this morning and rejoice in hope. And that brings us to our final command, be constant in prayer. Now, other translations present the scripture slightly differently in English. They come at it a different way, trying to describe what the original Greek language is saying. Uh, the King James Version presents it as continuing instant in prayer. Now, the original Greek word, what it's trying to communicate there is always applying strength in prayer. Put everything you have into it, constant in prayer, all your strength. Now, some of you, I'm guessing, just said to yourself, uh, that sounds exhausting all the time. I struggle to pray for five minutes. You tell me I got to do it all day? And it can. When we look at like constant in prayer, I've got things to do. Lord, what are you talking about? I've got to move with my life. I've got to continue. But no, he says we apply strength always in prayer. Now, you and I apply strength to many things, right? As I look back in my life, I applied strength to many things. Sports, uh, through high school, it may have been my looks, trying to impress people. Believe it or not, there was long flowing locks on this head at some point. I spent a lot of strength on that. Time, caring for it. I mean, when we first got married, my wife was amazed that I had a better hair straightener than her. We apply strength to everything we do. We do work, family. We will get after things. But we're to be constant in prayer. So what does that look like? How do we break that down? Like when Paul says constant in prayer, how can we practically live this out? So I have three aspects for us to look at this morning that make up a life of constant prayer. Remember, this is a lifestyle we're to live. We're not to add on all these things. And the three aspects are constant awareness, constant pursuit, and constant communication. So first, constant awareness. Now, there are 12 instances uh, throughout Paul's writings and his letters, where he state, states his living out constant prayer. To name a few, we have, he says this, he says, without ceasing, I mention you always in my prayers, Romans 1, 9, 10. He says, I give thanks to my God always for you, 1 Corinthians 1, 4. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, Ephesians 1, 16. Praying at all times in the spirit, Ephesians 6, 18. And he says, Finally, in 1 Thessalonians 3.10, as we pray most earnestly night and day. So we see Paul was modeling what he was speaking, right? I mean, the man was always praying. 
And you guys might say here, and I know I've said to myself, yeah, well, Paul was like Superman Christian. Like, no, he had an extra dose of the Spirit. He's able to constantly be doing that. And I, I don't think that's entirely true. Now, Paul tells the church at Colossae in Colossians 4.2, he says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. So Paul was constantly aware of his need to prayer, but it led to action, right? This watchfulness, like a soldier on the front lines ready for an attack. Because if a soldier's on the front lines, what does he have to always be doing? He has to be aware. He has to be making sure he's seeing if the enemy is coming, because if he glances for one second, that could mean his life or the life of his fellow soldiers. He's aware. He's aware. But I know for myself, and I'm guessing this is true for some of you, awareness can be fleeting, right? Like, I mean, I could have one of the best mornings. I wake up early, and I mean, I'm ready to go, and I'm ready to say, Lord, I'm going to pray to you for an hour. I'm going to spend time with you. I'm going to get after it. I, like, even am able to make my chai latte in the morning. I'm not a coffee drinker. I get my chai latte. I get the candle lit. Room's all ready. I like ambiance. Pray, pray with candles is fantastic. And I'm ready, right? I'm in the mood. And maybe after 30 seconds or a minute, I start to think, okay, well, you know, I have to talk to this church planner today. I'm the, he needs handling this. I've got to take care of that. No, kids need to do this. Breakfast is on the table. Got it. And I forget I'm even praying. Maybe five minutes go by, 10 minutes or an hour. I get snapped back into it by the grace of God and go, oh, I was praying. Uh, Jesus, in your name, amen. Right? Because I have to finish it so it counts. We lose our awareness, Right? Have you ever lost your awareness? I mean, you might pray in the morning, then pray in the evening, but that whole day is just, we're being cast away like the chaff blowing in the wind. Maybe everything that's persuading us or moving us throughout our day might dictate what we're doing. That self-sufficiency. Self-sufficiency, man, it is a barrier to our awareness. And especially if you're a driven, like really gifted, talented individual with a high capacity, man, you can get a lot done. You get a lot done. So, my question to you is, have you ever lost your awareness? Have you ever been even in a conversation with someone and they're telling you, man, we just lost our job or, you know, sickness has befallen my family and you're like, I'm, I'm praying for you. And then you actually never pray for them? Please tell me I'm not the only one that's done that. Why not in our day, if we say we're going to pray for someone, we actually just say, can I pray for you right now? Let, let's seek the Lord right now. Now, I know time constraints might happen or things might, and that's okay. But what's our awareness? Like, are we even aware? Am I going into a meeting and going, Lord, I need you to lead me? I mean, one of the prayers I've always had to say is Psalm 143.10 and say, teach me your will for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. I'm just having to say that through the day so I'm cognizant of the fact that I'm being led by his spirit, not what I do on my own. 1 Corinthians 2.16 tells us that we have the mind of Christ. Have you thought about that? Like if you're a Christian here, you have the mind of Christ. And Jesus was fully aware of his need for prayer. I mean, read through the gospel accounts. He was always retreating for prayer. He's in constant connection to his father. Even when he's hanging on a cross, he's constantly crying out to his father. 
Jesus even told his followers in John 15 that he said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Right? We need to be aware. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When you're aware that you're poor in spirit, when you're aware that apart from Jesus you can do nothing, you will be in constant prayer. We just need our minds to snap back into it. And where maybe we haven't been aware, then we just bring to him and say, Lord, I need your help to be more aware. Please help me. Um, Pastor Tim Keller wrote a book on prayer that uh, is outstanding if you haven't read it. Um, But he opens with an illustration about his wife, Kathy. And about 20-something years ago in 1999, she was having real troubles with Crohn's disease. He got diagnosed with thyroid cancer. And she says, listen, Tim, we have got to come together and pray every night. And he just wasn't really having it. And then she gives this illustration. And this is what she said. said, imagine you were diagnosed with such a lethal condition that the doctor told you that you would die within hours unless you took a particular medicine. A pill every night before going to sleep. Imagine that you were told you could never miss it or you would die. Would you forget Would you not get around to it some nights? No. It would be so crucial that you wouldn't forget you would never miss. Well, if we don't pray together to God, we're not going to make it because of all we're facing. I'm certainly not. We have to pray. We can't just let it slip our minds. Guys, part of constant prayer is just constant awareness. We can't just let it slip our minds. That brings us to our next aspect, constant pursuit, constant pursuit. So we need constant awareness, right, of prayer, and we even need it to be able to constantly pursue. So as Paul modeled life with prayer, he encouraged the church in the same way, right? We have our verse today, Romans 12, 12. So he lived this out. He was saying, I'm always doing it. And then he says, be constant in prayer, be constant in prayer. We also see in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, Paul writes, pray without ceasing. Like, that's the entire verse. Pray without ceasing. Never stop. Don't give up. Keep coming. And in 1 Thessalonians 5, that actual context of that chapter, he's speaking about our sanctification. And in verse 24, he tells us, says, he who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. He will transform us. He will continue to do his work in us, but we have work to do. Pray without ceasing. Continue to come to me. Now, you and I pursue many things. In fact, right now, today, everyone in this room, everyone everywhere is pursuing something. Unless you're the Dallas Cowboys. Sorry, too soon. I'm an Arizona Cardinals fan, so I'm thankful to have company. We're never in the playoffs, so. Um, No, but in all reality, we are. We're all pursuing something. Now, if we are to be constant pursuit of prayer, there's two things we should consider, okay? We need to consider what is the aim of your pursuit. And then we need to know we need to pursue. And so what I mean by the aim of your pursuit is, what's the main goal of your prayers? Have you thought about that? What is the main aim as you come to your Lord in prayer? We have to think about that. So the ultimate goal of our prayer should be seeking our Father. Yes, there's specific needs we need to be prayed for, confessing, thanksgiving. There's several different aspects of prayer or what prayer can look like. But the foundation and aim of the pursuit of our prayer should be to your heavenly Father. 
We see evidence of this all throughout Scripture. If we look to Psalm 27, we see King David declaring this in Psalm 27.4. One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. That's what David's seeking, just the Lord. This is one thing I've asked is to seek the Lord. He says in Psalm 27.8, you have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Now, David inquired many things of the Lord. He gave thanks in several different instances. He prayed for justice, healing, prayers of praise. But the foundation of his pursuit of prayer was his heavenly father. The ultimate aim in pursuing prayer was to seek the Lord, not to just have his perceived needs met. Remember Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But he did, he asked for many things, but yet he had confidence of his pursuit was his protector, guide, and shepherd. At the end of Psalm 27, we actually see David's need to pursue. He knew he needed to pursue the Lord, but it doesn't look entirely what we might think. So at the end of Psalm 27, he says, wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Have you ever heard the phrase, let go and let God? Maybe you said it. And it's not a bad phrase. It has a good entire meaning to it. And at the root, I think it has this idea of God's in control. He's sovereign, so I should just not worry. Which, yes, that's good and right. But I think sometimes we can even let those words just go, God's got it. My hands are completely off. There's nothing I need to do. Waiting for the Lord is not a passive exercise. Waiting for the Lord is very active. I mean, as David's saying, I wait for the Lord, what is he saying? He's saying, I seek after you. He says in Psalm 118, verses 8 and 9, it's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. The Lord was his rock, his refuge, his fortress, and he was constantly trying to find that. No, I'm seeking you. I'm continuing to come. I need you to move in this way. I'm waiting on you. But I'm not just sitting back, right? The farmer in the fields doesn't sit on the couch and say, Lord, I need you to go make it happen. No, he's getting the field prepared. He's planting seed, but then he's absolutely on his knees saying, Lord, I need rain, I need growth. So what are we pursuing? We know we need to pursue. Um, In 2012, some of you are probably familiar with our story Um, But in 2012, my wife Kelly was diagnosed with chronic pain and fatigue. (sighs) Multiple other things became diagnosis. So uh, pretty soon, days after fibromyalgia, um, hypothyroidism. And all of a sudden, within weeks of diagnosis, there were just days that Kel couldn't get out of bed. Days become into weeks, weeks become into months. And it, it was just incredible to see my wife deal with this pain with two little ones. Our kids were three and one. Um, She's a young mom and can't get out of bed. There were some good days, but very soon they became far and few between. Um, We started to seek the Lord. (laughs) We needed the Lord to move. We're pursuing him. We're saying, Father, we need you to move. We need you to tell us what doctors we need to see. I cannot tell you how many doctors we pursued. Maybe you've been there. Chronic illness is a beast. 
You're constantly trying to figure out what's happening, constantly trying to see how you can care for your wife or how she's trying to go, Lord, what did I do? Like, are you leaving it up to me to find the right doctors? Are you leaving it up to me to have to figure out these things? So we're pursuing, we're pursuing a lot of different things, but we're seeking our Lord in prayer. And I'll tell you, after three years, five years, what the Lord started to do in our prayers, in our, and like healing, I still to this day am praying for Kelly to be healed of this pain that she constantly deals with. But the Lord quickly said, I'm your safe place. Come to me. Trust me with your needs, not necessarily having to have your needs met. I'm going to be everything you need. In 2019, we actually were able to, by God's grace, um, get some extensive testing for Kelly, and it looked like things might actually be Lyme disease, um, which she tested negative four years before. Well, it came back positive in July of 2019, and we were astonished, like, oh, we have an answer. And we were like, praise God, like, it's Lyme disease. How odd is that? You're praising God to to actually find out you have this sickness that is, is just horrible. But as Kelly and I are sitting, we went on vacation shortly after that. We were dwelling on all that the Lord had done the past seven years. And we said, you know what? If he told us in 2013 that what you were battling was Lyme disease, our hope would have been in the answer and not him. We were able to receive this answer and go, Lord, you're completely worth this pursuit. Whether you told us this or not, we thank you for telling us, but you were the pursuit we needed. You were the hope. And yes, we had treatment plan. Kelly was able to do some things, but she still battles today. And so we're constantly seeking the Lord. But now he's the foundation of our prayers. So how have you been pursuing? If you're pursuing the Lord merely for your needs, if those aren't met, does that stop your pursuit? Do you just feel like prayer might not work for you? Believe me, we've been through that route said many times, man, God doesn't hear me. Maybe I'm outside of his will. Um, I have to stop praying now because what difference does it make? That stops our pursuit. But if our pursuit is him, if our pursuit is what Colossians 1.17 says in Jesus, that he's literally holding all things together, well, then we can trust him with every need, whether it gets met or not here, because we know it will for eternity with him forever. I'm banking on the promise in Philippians that says Kelly's body will be transformed into Jesus' glorious body. And I'm going to constantly pursue because I have no other hope. Jesus is. Remember how those three are tied? If I'm going to constantly pursue, I need to constantly remember the hope I have in Christ. And that's how I can be patient in tribulation. So I ask you, what are you pursuing in your prayers? You can trust the Lord with your circumstance, whether it changes or doesn't. Finally, we need to be in constant communication. Now, there's many forms of communication, verbal, nonverbal, right? I mean, I don't even realize a face I can be making, and Kelly's like, are you really that upset right now? I'm like, I I have no idea what my face is doing. Um, But prayer is a conversation. Prayer is a conversation. We might not think of this, right? We're constantly speaking to the Lord, but prayer is a conversation. Uh, Tim Keller, again, he said, I heard them say this in a message once. Prayer is continuing the conversation that God has already started through his word. That's a beautiful thing. You think about what a conversation is? A conversation has two parts, right? Speaking and listening, okay? Now, maybe some of you are like me, and you've had to have the Lord grow you in this, is it's not just you speaking, 
right? Have you ever been in a conversation, someone's saying something, and you're constantly like, oh, man, I need to tell them this. I'm going to tell them this. No, I'm going to say this. And then you actually don't even hear what they said. We need to listen. Well, that's the same when we're conversing with God, with our Father. We need to listen and not just always be speaking. So how do we listen? Well, we begin with meditation, right? We begin with meditation. What I mean is this. Listen to Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. That's how the Psalms begin. Like the book of prayer in the Bible begins with not necessarily a prayer. Saying, no, we meditate on the law of the Lord, and that's God's word. We can taste and see that God is good, and then guess what? We come out of that and we will respond. And then you'll constantly respond throughout your day. Even in Hebrews 3, referring to the Old Testament, we say, today, he says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. To soften our hearts to prayer, we need to hear the voice of God. Have you ever said, man, I just wish God would say something. He's so silent, I just wish he would speak to me in this moment. I've, I've said that myself, I've heard people ask me that. And my response, and the Lord has even convicted me in it, is you can hear from me anytime at any moment you want. Just open up the scriptures. It's the voice of God. It's living and active. So if we want to hear from our Father and listen to Him, and that'll drive us to speak to Him, it's right here. And we'll grow in time. Now, one of the hindering things that can be is as we're looking at the scriptures, it's not necessarily always Bible study. Bible study is great. Like we should dig in, see what God's teaching. The, our theology should inform and drive our worship. But if we're not meditating, that word meditate, now it's not if you're immediately getting an idea of like yoga and what I always do, like, mm, you know, no, we just dwell on what God's saying. Like think deeply about it. Okay, think what he's saying throughout the day. That will then drive you to speak properly. So how do we speak? Now maybe some of you have a set time in prayer, which is good and right. We should have set time where we are just communing with our Father, spending time with Him. This is a relationship. But we should also, throughout our day, be able to be vulnerable and honest and just come to Him at a whim. Jesus said, let the child come to me. Let the children come to me. Just come to your Father as a child. Do you think in your prayers, have you ever thought, like, I have to say this special, like, this immaculate oration to the Creator of the universe, and I've got a set way I have to do it, and so your prayer you pray every time is the same? Maybe not. There's no special way you have to come to your father. You can come to him at any point. Uh, I love that Slade said this the other week of when we draw near, when you can speak, you can pray the scriptures. A great exercise to do this. I had a professor in seminary, actually, Don Whitney. At, um, he's got a great book on spiritual disciplines. But he gave this exercise of praying the Psalms. Right. So most months we have 30 days in the month. Right. Well, if you take five psalms on a day, so today's January 30th, so we can look at Psalm 30, 60, 90, 120, 150, and maybe just peruse each of them. You don't even have to read through all of them, but if one the Lord is leading you to, just pray through that. And what I mean by praying through it is Psalm 23. Let's look at that again. The Lord is my shepherd. 
Father, I thank you that you are my shepherd. I thank you that I can trust you to protect me. I thank you you can guide and lead me, and I pray you would do that today. I shall not want. Father, help me to not want the things of this world, or help me to know I can trust you with my circumstance today. And you just go through, and all of a sudden you realize, oh my goodness, I haven't really prayed like that ever in my life. He'll lead us, and as you dwell on it, that will carry you throughout your day. You can come to your father in honest speech. So if we are to be constant in communication and prayer, we need to speak to him throughout the day in every little moment. Uh, in a book called Praying Life, uh, Paul Miller tells a story about his mom. His mom, uh, at the time of the story, was an uh, 82-year-old missionary in London. Um, she was a widow. His dad had, was a pastor for a long time, but had passed away. And he was so excited to tell his mom about this book he read on prayer. And in the prayer, he said, you know, it was a good book on prayer, but I found something interesting is the author said, hey, we should not go to God with trivial requests. Like, we shouldn't be asking the Lord for a parking space. And he's like, I just found that interesting. And so he's sitting down at a restaurant with his mom, and he shares this to her. And he goes, you know, it was interesting. And she goes, well, how am I ever going to find a parking place? <laughs> Guys, you don't have to necessarily pray for a parking place, but do you know that you can? Like, throughout our day, are we aware of going, Father, I need you right now. Like, my kids are constantly communicating with me. Now, we're venturing into teenage years. I expect that to wane. But right now, Reef is like, hey, Dad, I got to tell you what I just did. Do you see? You got to come see this. Like, right now, you got to come see this. When was the last time you just went to your father and said, did you see what I just did? Like, thank you. Celebrate with him. Yeah, he already knows it, but talk to him about it. Go through your day. Are you aware? And then we will start praying for people right on the spot. Or in hard, difficult moments. Like, I know difficult moments drive us to prayer. Believe me, that's what happened to Kelly and I. And I thank God for that. But when good things happen, how easy is it for us to not speak to our Father? Constantly go to Him. Constantly speak to Him. Don't let unanswered prayers stop your pursuit. Don't let doubt creep in. Now, it is okay if it does. Right? The father in Mark 9, whose son was being, having seizures being thrown in fires, he told Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. You can go to your father with that. So speak it to him. And what's interesting is Jesus did pray for needs. Yes, he prayed your will be done, but we not always need to go right to that. We need to voice our needs. So in the garden, when Jesus, the night he was to be betrayed and about to go hang on a cross, we see in Luke twenty-two forty-two. What was Jesus' prayer? He said, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus was saying, Lord, if there's any other way, if there's any other way, would you please just let this pass? And do you know that the one perfect man, son of God, who would have been the one worthy one of having every prayer of his answered, went with that one going unanswered? Because he went to go hang on a cross so that you and I, those that would trust in him, could have every single one of our prayers answered in eternity and glory with the creator of the universe. That's the gospel. When you need to come to your prayer and always apply strength, it's always coming from Jesus. 
It's always coming from him who went with the one prayer going unanswered so that you could have your prayers answered, so that you could now have a connection with your heavenly Father. So I pray for us. I pray that the Son of God who rescued us by his strength will give us the ability to live a life that's marked by prayer. At the end of the day, that's all we can do. Say, Lord, if I've been faithful, just help me. I'm going to drop. I'm going to fall on my face plenty of times. But by God's grace, he will pick you back up and say, look to me. Hebrews 12, 2 tells us how we run our race. Jesus, it says, we run our race with endurance, in verse 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of the faith. He's the one who's perfecting it. He's already authored it. He's the one who's laid it before you. And so come to him constantly throughout your day. Let us be a people here at Fellowship Bible Church as we live our life in long view that are marked by constant prayer. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you that we, in you and in your son, oh Lord, we have a hope that is untouchable. It's secure, it's certain. And I pray that you would drive us, Lord, to be constant in prayer. And it's this mindset. Give us the mindset and the awareness that we are being led by your spirit throughout our days. Help us to not be burdened down by prayer. Prayer can be hard and difficult. In our doubts, would you please encourage us? Please forgive us. Please forgive us when we have just come for our needs, Lord, and yet you still provide. For all those that are hurting, Lord, and we're in dark places, would you help us to not stop pursuing you? Give us awareness. Help us to be in constant communication. Jesus, we love you. Um, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to love you more. And we pray all these things in your precious name. Amen. Amen.